Hello, and welcome to On the Line, a podcast for tennis players, coaches, and fans. I'm your host, Jenny Robb. Today on the line, we have speaker, mentor, and coach Emma Doyle. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, absolute pleasure to be on the show, and of course, being in uh, your town of Birmingham, Alabama. (laughs) Uh, It's really great to have you here in the States, and especially Alabama. Uh, I've been fortunate to see you speak this fall in New York, Tucson, and Atlanta, Uh, but I know that you're traveling the globe with your message. What does 2018 look like for you? Uh, now that I'm, you know, really set up my global triangle for next year, it's three months Australia, three months Europe, and six months in the states. And and with being here in the states, my goal is to inspire, improve, and impact, and help people discover their inner coach. It's that simple. And I like to do that by some girl power camps. How do we engage? And how do we develop? And how do we empower girls and women? to be the best version of themselves, and also high-performance environments. How do we create that, especially in the tendon under space, as you know, as a passion of mine? And finally, communication. Language matters, Jen, as as you know, as a coach. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Well, that's a big statement. It's going to be a big year. Absolutely. Inspire, improve, and impact. Those are three pretty powerful words. Uh, Can you tell us more? Inspire, improve, impact. Yeah, everywhere I go, they're my my three goals. I, I want to inspire people. I want to help improve them and myself uh, so that I can leave an impact. And I think that's really important in every day within myself and with those that I'm fortunate enough to meet. And, yeah, I'm just so grateful to be able to travel around the world doing what I do. I'm very lucky and get to hang out with you and eat southern food and <laughs> um, experience the great hospitality here in uh, Sweet Home, Alabama. <laughs> You are originally from Melbourne, Australia, and came to the States uh, to go to college in Tennessee. Can you tell us a little bit about your past sports history? Past sports history? Uh, Well, I would say that, and perhaps your listeners might be able to relate to this, that I could, I'm pretty much can play any and every sport that has a bat and a ball, um, but not necessarily the master of any. <laughs> so <laughs> Division One college tennis at MTSU in Murfreesboro was about my, my level, to be honest. Uh, but my sporting journey, certainly I, I grew up a little bit in the UK, back and forth, bounced back between Australia and the UK. So soccer was my first love. And I used to um, stand in front of people's driveways and say, I bet you can't get the ball past me. So, you know, that competitive spirit was, uh, and my goalkeeping skills, maybe that's why I've got, uh, you know, I always enjoyed doubles and and volleying and uh, maybe it was the grounding of other sports, which of course, you know, you and I both um, really want children out there playing multiple sports and the crossover benefits, you know, especially for our sport and tennis is is, uh, you know, something that we both hold very dear to our hearts. I know you've, you've you know, your softball background and um, playing many sports. But, yeah, look, I'd say golf now more so uh, competitively. I've played a little bit of pennant golf. Uh, I find that to be a challenge just with me, myself and the ball as an adult. Um, but I still absolutely, of course, love to play tennis and any chance I get to to have a hit and have a grind and, of course, make it competitive. I, um, I do love the, the battle of competition, shall we say. <laughs> of course. Yes, definitely. That idea of loving the battle, we, we have to nurture that in our young athletes and certainly playing a variety of sports helps that. Um, and, and just the general development of athletic skills before sport-specific skills is, is huge um, to have that background and then also to avoid injury. I'm actually really fascinated in how to become a beginner. 
So I've, I've, I've taken up swing dancing and actually dancing the Australian Jitterbug Championships. Let me just say that I didn't, uh, didn't place, um, actually didn't even get past the first round. But, uh, but actually the, the process of being a beginner and learning the steps and going through, you know, I think I made it to level three, so I've, I've probably big, the beginner level three, but absolutely loved the music. So finding myself in those shoes is, you know, I think is important as a coach. We sometimes forget what that's, uh, what that's like. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. I, I recently started taking some golf lessons and to be on the other side, I think it's an important thing for all coaches really. Um, and swing dancing, the Australian Jitterbug Championships. Um, I'm sure that created some uh, memorable moments. Uh, do you have a favorite memory uh, in your sporting career? Well, you know, it's funny with, obviously, as you know, I run the coaching podcast and I find that you've just got to answer what first comes into your head. And I'm sure there's many, uh, but one of my first ever memories was actually going to a Manchester United game when I was like seven years of age, sitting on my dad's shoulders in the cheer squad section of Manchester United, and they won 4-1 against Everton. And, of course, I had my little red Manchester United top on. And um, being amongst the the passion of fans at that level, at that age, sitting on my dad's shoulders was is, is a memory. That Yeah, it was electric. I'll, I'll never forget it. And, uh, you know... Otherwise, another just a quick one that came to mind was when when my um, older sister, who's the most you know, she's not blessed with coordination, she bowled me out in backyard cricket, and I remember um, just you know tried to hit the ball as hard as I could, and I just missed it, and watched it hit the wickets, and basically threw my bat on the ground, started jumping on it, refused to go out because it was such a crap bowl. I even knew back then I was like, I can't go out. That that's such a, um, but yeah, it's probably the competitive love that I have for all sports um, but they're two memories one one as a spectator one as a player even at three I mean, maybe yeah. that's too much information for your listeners no. but that that's just what sprung to mind today but if you ask me that question tomorrow I, I don't know what memories might have come up I, I'm a lover of all sports. Sure. As we shift from a favorite memory to a proudest achievement I'm, I'm fascinated with how Often the favorite memory could be as a spectator or playing in the yard with a sibling at home, uh, but your proudest achievement is something completely different from maybe your favorite memory. So what is your proudest achievement? For me, what I'm most proud of is the fact that five years ago, and I've done this a number of times as I've really changed my career path. So, you know, I tried to be the best coach that I could and I coached on the tour for eight years and then turned, made a, a sliding doors turn and then I went into coach education for 10 years and then five years ago I'm probably most proud of believing in myself and leaving my businesses behind to pursue the world of speaking in tennis and the courage that it took to do that and what I've been able to create from that. It's like every day, it's it's rather than proud, it's like I, I still pinch myself how lucky and how grateful I am to be doing what I'm doing. And to impact one to many is an honour and a privilege and something that I couldn't have done if I stayed at my clubs in Melbourne. So probably the courage to let go of what you know and keep stretching your comfort zone into the unknown is something that I'm most proud of and the fact that 
I help people discover their inner coach. And so when I get an email or a testimonial or a daily little message from somebody that says, you know, I tried one of your activities and it actually worked or it, or I tweaked your, one of your activities and, you know, you should have seen the smiles on the kids' faces. So probably the impact of one to many and then the ripple effect onto players that I get, you know, that I, I'm so grateful to be able to, to impact on this level. So that's, that's probably... One. It's interesting to note all the different paths that are available out there. Uh, the familiar journey of assistant coach to head coach to director um, is really just one of many directions. Um, some coaches choose to specialize maybe in 10 and under tennis or high performance or adult league or strength and conditioning, maybe the business aspect. Um, it's pretty remarkable for you to want to help other coaches, especially female coaches, on their journey is pretty amazing and certainly a testament to you giving back to help other coaches develop themselves as you continue to grow and learn and share. Yeah, it's the whole thing too. If you, if you, uh, you, you say to me all the time, Jen, if you can see it, you can be it. And maybe we got that from Billie Jean, but you know, it doesn't matter. Let's keep paying it forward. But I think that is important that there are role models and, and I'm always, you know, I'm a huge believer in mentors and I, I pay for coaching myself yep. in how to become a better speaker. And I think I value that. I've always valued that. And I think professional development is, uh, is a space that a lot, of, a lot of people out there do value it as well. And, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people of seeing where you want to go is having a vision is really important. Who are some of the people who inspired you along the way, who helped you believe in yourself and see the greater vision and propel you forward in your career? Definitely a number of people. Uh, if I could mention a couple, one of the first uh, earliest memories I have is with a gentleman called Peter McCraw, and he um, really believed in me. I met him at – he's an Australian coach, but I met him at Boletary's when I was there, and he gave me some of my first – opportunities to coach at a higher level and I'm really grateful for that and uh, you know everything in my my journey too has been a stepping stone so first that opportunity was just as a strength and conditioning coach which was what my degree was in so you know you just take that one step and then you do a good job there and then you get an opportunity to work within the squad program as a coach and then you do a good job there and then you take your first 12s team away and then your four teams (laughs) team away and, and then your junior fed cup so uh, he really gave me an opportunity and also he, he spent a lot of time, uh, you know, teaching me his, his system. And, and I think everyone who's been successful as a, as a mentor, they've got strong systems. So, you know, I do believe in taking, um, learning a system and then, you know, you, of course, apply it to what you believe in and you tweak it to be, you know, what in line with your own philosophy that, of course, develops over time. So he's, he's one of the first, the first, you know, that early journey there to solidify and give me confidence in my knowledge. Um, if I could layer in my favourite confidence formula, which is confidence equals time plus experience. And, you know, you can't short-circuit time. You can only short-circuit experience, which is really what we're talking about. Who are those people who have been there, done it, or they're where you want to go? So how do you tap into their knowledge and apply you know and then and then make it your own or or apply it to what you believe in so the next person that comes to mind more recently is Judy Murray 
and the classic example of this is the fact that, yep, I met her once enough to just to say, hello, how are you? Can I have a photo? Uh, and then the second time I just said, can I come and watch you coach and just stand on the court and pay my own way to Scotland? And I did that. So then there's that second piece of, she, oh, that's Emma Doyle, okay, but still, you know, not enough to even have lunch with. Mm-hmm. And then finally I tagged her in a Facebook post and ran my first ever girl power camp right at the top of Australia and I just said thank you so much for creating the Miss Hits characters uh, and here, here's a dance that my Australian girls have adapted, you know, yeah. thanks to your your ideas around the movements of these characters in, the, in their, you know, each character's got a dance. And she said, wow, this is amazing, these girl power camps, can you – you know, can you fly to Scotland as in in four weeks' time and run this and teach other female coaches how to do it and we'll run a big workshop and we did and we never looked back since then and she's now someone that, you know, that where I really respect and and her favourite line, which is definitely in, in line with my core philosophy, which is let the activity do the teaching for you. Yeah. Great coaches can set up an environment where rather than saying, get your racket back, get your racket back, get your racket back, change the shape of the court, change the activity, change the challenge, change the goal, and that will then determine how far the racket needs to go back. And if you can do that with this generation of children who they want they want to know why, they, they're, they're used to learning in a different way through gamification, screen time, so we have to keep adapting the way that we coach and keep growing and keep learning and you know, I'll never stop doing that and, you know, neither neither will you because that's why we hang out together at all these conferences so much. Your words inspire, improve and impact uh, come to mind again through your story of meeting and now collaborating with Judy Murray. Uh, we certainly can inspire, improve and impact each other as coaches as well as um, our students. Which brings us to your new book. I just decided it was time from a perspective of my core philosophy, which is that I believe every person, player, parent, teacher, mother, father, mentor, um, has a coach inside them. And how do you bring that out to help you? How does your private inner voice serve you? So the first chapter is that we are all coaches. And that is my philosophy. And and I wanted to, I'm very, you know, you'd have seen in, in my presentations over the last five years, I'm very practical. So I do believe in not just telling you something. It's more about here's an idea, here's a strategy, try it on like you'd try on a new pair of shoes and see if it works for you and take the bit that does and then apply it and mould it and make it your own and pay it forward. So the whole book is uh, each chapter has a strategy a coaching strategy mm-hmm. and that, you know, that I invite you to take action on and, and give it a go and it certainly is, it provides lots of little tools for parents and for coaches and for the coach that lives within all of us. Absolutely. So I'm excited about it. It's, oh, I'm, I'm excited too. I'm particularly interested in the idea that there's a coach inside all of us, uh, parents, siblings, school teachers, teammates, schoolmates, um, other family members or friends. I, I love that you tap into the idea that we're, we're all coaches. Yeah, and it's about wearing different hats. Mm-hmm. I often, one of my favourite parent strategies, and maybe your listeners, or if you've got any parents out there listening, might find this, um, this one useful, is use a contextual marker like a cap. So when you've got your cap on, then you, you, you know, you coach dad and you're on court and you've got your cap on and you, you, that's the role you're playing. The minute the, that, you know, little session's over, take the cap off. 
Um, if, if that's if you want to, you know, if, if you want to take that role, I'm not saying every parent needs to, to play that role, but I do believe that as tennis coaches in, in our profession, we need to embrace parents. We need to provide coach education and, and provide strategies. And I'm a big strategist on, on every level. So uh, it's my favourite thing about um, all sports. Parent education is definitely an area that is massively evolving. I agree. I agree. And I think that more coaches are embracing this and it's important to embrace and put the strategies in place around the boundaries and provide education, provide help. Most, most parents just want to know more information. And I'm a huge believer. I do a lot of programming through my mentoring consultancy. And a lot of that is around the fact that we are periodizing the the program, the lesson content, especially from a tactical perspective, that's really, really critical that we have the parents focus on that rather than them get obsessed or watch a, you know, something on YouTube and become technical experts. I would prefer my parents become obsessed with attack and defense or how to hit to space or how to make your opponent run or uh, and work on those types of skills during the week in between the, the, the lesson so that uh, they, can, they can play that extra practice role as long as it's obviously healthy and supportive and, you know, positive psychology and language, as you know, is is my biggest area of passion and, okay. you know, definitely a through line because the way that the parent and the coach speaks to the child becomes their inner voice in a match, how they problem solve, how they think. And it is important that we use our language in a way that, as you would have heard me talk about before, Jen, future-based thinking is really important. So rather than telling yourself what you did wrong, rather than reflecting on uh, the, the weaknesses, it's all about what do I need to do better, where am I at now, where do I want to go, and how do I get there? It's picture. Yeah, but even on, even on the court, even if it's a micro moment, mm-hmm. if, if something's just happened in a point, rather than saying, why did I go down the line off that ball straight into my opponent's strength, that's a negative-based thought process instead of, hey, next time I'm going to hold the cross-court pattern because that, that I know that when I take the ball above that player's shoulder on that side, that's, that's where I can open up and get the short ball on my terms. What qualities make a great coach? One of my favourite questions, Jen. <laughs> so as um, those that might, might follow uh, the coaching podcast, which is the one that I run with uh, my co-host Simon Blair, that's our third question. In one, we say in one to a maximum of three words. What do you think makes a great coach? And this, look, this I'll preface it by saying this was this question was born in the fact that I had the opportunity to ask Roger Federer in uh, oh, wow. twenty fourteen that question. Oh, wow. okay. And he said, "Someone who listens." Ah, perfection, of course. So. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, so I since then I've been collating that information and one day I'm going to do something. It might be, it might be just an article or it might be a research paper. Either way, I've been getting data on that question, especially through, you know, the, the um, podcast, which I love running podcasts. And it's incredible the amount of information that we get around soft skills versus hard skills. So a hard skill might be something more around, you know, a great coach is someone who's you know, technically proficient or knowledgeable. Or, right. But we, we really get a lot of answers that are the soft skills around empathy, compassion, passionate, 
more than you would think, more than, sorry, more than what I expected to get from that question. They're really more about the connection. The more about the connection. <laughs> and then I want to know yours, by the way. I'm going to ask you straight back. So from from my perspective and asking this question for so long, obviously many people have then flipped that, that question on me. So I would say my answer to that question in what makes a great coach is empathy, mm-hmm. communication, mm-hmm. and energy, oh, like energy. passionate energy, passionate like energy. motivating energy, like the energy that, you know, a lot of people tell me I have dynamic energy or ask me how many coffees I've had and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and can I sustain my energy? Guess what? I can and I do and I find, you know, obviously find a way to recharge the energy, sure. but I do believe in leading by example. And Absolutely. when I'm on court my energy comes through and, and everyone raises, the, the children raise to that level and then Absolutely. sure there's, there's um, intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation but I try and provide a, an expectation level that people want to raise to even with beginners, participation level children. Communication as you know, as, as we just already spoke about, so the positive psychology and language matters and what we say, how we say it is super important to me. And the third one being empathy. So putting the player at the centre of the learning, being able to walk in their shoes and understand their map of the world. Oh, my goodness. Your turn. Well, empathy is such a huge one uh, because it begs a stop. You know, stop your day, your focus, your issues, your schedule, and step in the other person's shoes. You know, see the world from their perspective. Yeah, feel what they're feeling. And your three or I should (laughs) in one to a maximum I feel like it's my podcast it's your podcast in one to a maximum of three words Jenny Grubb what do you think makes a great coach a really big one for me uh, because I am so passionate about education continuing education is adaptability Uh, not just teaching the way you were taught or simply doing what you've always done but being open-minded and willing to get out of your comfort zone to grow and learn and try different things, um, and figure out what, what works for you, what works for your students. Uh, you know, again, empathy, um, not all students learn the same way. Uh, great coaches have the ability to reach each student where they are and meet their needs. Um, a great coach cares. A coach that truly cares wants the player to be healthy, stay injury free, improve, reach their goals. Um, want to be believed in they they you know that means something um caring you know a more holistic approach uh means a lot to me so adaptable open-minded and caring yep Yep. and interestingly I was in London a couple of weeks ago and I asked this question of Johanna Conta who's number nine in on the in the world WTA and I had a lot to do with her when she was a uh, when she was in Australia kind of 11 12 13 years of age and uh, I asked her that question she said Open-minded. Oh, nice. So, uh, and, and, you know, I hope your listeners also, there is absolutely no right or wrong answer to that question. You cannot get that question wrong. Um, So, um, you know, it's not like, oh, well done, Johanna said it and you said it, so ting, that's a match. Uh, I don't say it for that reason, but I do say it from a perspective of also an insight into knowing her as a child she always wanted to know the why behind every activity. Now, not every um, child is like that, right. but interestingly, as an adult, 
and now with the success, you know, clearly you could say oh, she's had a lot of success and yeah. she is successful in the game of tennis. You can definitely say that. If her number one thing is being open-minded, isn't that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting. I, I, I love that. <laughs> mm. um, and I love your laugh, by the way. <laughs> That's going to be your signature. <laughs> oh, Little um, Keep it going for your entire <laughs> series. Uh, you're coming out with a book, you know, Discover Your Inner Coach, you're running girl power camps, you are organizing an event for International Women's Day, you've teamed up with Judy Murray on a variety of projects, you're mentoring other coaches, you're speaking all over the world. What do you want your legacy to be? It's a great question. And it's, it's not something that you should take lightly. Mm-hmm. And when... I deeply think about that. My legacy is that I want people to know that that I made an impact in this space. Mm-hmm. And women empowerment is one space and the other space is helping all people discover their inner coach. Mm. And it's that simple. That's what I want my legacy. When they, when they think of Emma Doyle in th- this industry, I want them to think, yeah, she was inspirational. And she actually said something that helped me improve and that impacted my players, inspire, improve, impact. That's my legacy. That's what's that simple for me. And I've struggled to actually simplify it because I love so many parts of the game. Mm-hmm. But when it boils down to no matter what, whether I'm working with a, a three-year-old, whether I'm working with a high-performance player or whether I'm working with a coach, they're the three things that I want people to walk away when they think of Emma Doyle and, and the impact that she's had on the game and the impact that she's had in growing the female workforce and in connecting girls with sport. Obviously, as you know, I recently did a TEDx talk yes. that I'd love all your listeners if they haven't heard it yet. Yes. yes. Unleashing female potential. It was That was a game changer for me. And that talk is again, something around legacy that will sit on YouTube, I hope, for a very long time and that it empowers. I mean, the, the whole two things about it, the two key messages sharing my big idea was engage and empower. Engage through listening and empower through language. Yeah. And I, I hope people listen to it and understand the importance of the message. And that, that's an example of, of legacy right there. Absolutely. And I hope I did that through inspiring people to want to watch it. And that's, you know, International Women's Day, March 8, 2018. Again, just another goal that was, was born with you and Judy Murray March 8. and Sharon Martin and the four of us sitting around having, you know, just at a conference, yep. just chatting about what can we do to continue to build a legacy of connecting girls with tennis, keep them playing sport, keep them in the game. We know the benefits. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that. You know, I believe that of all people. I'm not just saying just keep girls in sport. I just feel that the dropout rate is just a little bit higher on the on the female side, yeah. as we know. Yep. So I want to keep everyone connected to sport, to please, first and foremost. But secondly, how do we make our game attractive? What do we need to do in our language, the way we dress it up, the way that we overcome the reasons why they drop out? Yeah. such as adding in more teamwork, such as disguising competition in, in ways that 
they still fall in love with the Battle of Competition and yes. little things that we can do. And so International Women's Day, the goal is it's pretty simple. It's called the Volley Challenge. <laughs> and all everyone has to do, all your listeners out there, is first of all, you just have to film yourself and a, gr- a group of female players the volley dance. It's that easy. And where, where can we see the volley dance? Where so, yeah, so definitely it's the link is on YouTube. It's on the Eventbrite page. Um, please, my, my Facebook page, uh, my business Facebook page, Emma Doyle, speaker, mentor, coach. Connect on any social media, my Twitter, uh, and just look it up. I'm gonna, it's going to be the next three months and also on your, all your social media as well, Jen. Look it up and you'll see there there's a YouTube link where we show you how to do the volley dance and then all you have to do is start at a distance of the tram lines apart and each time you do a successful volley back and forward to each other, you take a step back. And so the hashtag is press for progress and hashtag volley challenge. And how far back can you go? This is about how far have we come and how much further do we still need to go, not only in tennis but in all sports to empower women and young girls. And and this is a truly global effort. I mean, within the the first 24 hours of you opening registration, you already have the UK, Belgium, the US. uh, I mean, it's... Australia, New Zealand. Australia, We hit five countries in day one. Amazing. So yeah. it's a global initiative. Um, yeah, and and four o'clock. So I forgot to mention that. Yeah, yeah. So just to release the video footage of of this volley challenge, the volley dance, and followed by the volley challenge to the song "Girl" by Sharon Martin, such an empowering song. And um and and then upload that video at four o'clock in your country with the goal of trying to hit as many countries as we can. So this is. That's, you know, that's a big, big part of it to raise awareness. 4, 4 p.m. in their local time zone. In their local time zone. In the world. Correct. Volley dance, volley challenge. Press for um, progress. And, and use the hashtag press for progress. Use the hashtag volley challenge. And join us. Jen and I are going to be doing it. Absolutely. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> well, that's the point. That it already has. We've already done the uh, the YouTube oh, yeah. clip for it. And that was, that, was a, that was fun. And it doesn't take long and anyone can do it. Get on board, and also please, if you know coaches in other sports, the the volley could be a lacrosse stick, it could be a hockey stick, it could be a balloon between two badminton rackets, it could be a bat, it could be someone using their hands and someone using you know catching with a so, yeah, so it, it, it any object. Beyond tennis. I mean, Correct. It's truly um, an outreach to all females in sport uh, to to keep them engaged and to keep them loving sport uh, whatever that sport may be join us join us so that's yeah just one of the many we we got onto this we're talking about legacy so you know and and judy murray she she's always saying what's next what's next so the minute march 8 2018 is over i'm going to be saying what's next when the ted talk was over i was like okay what's next (laughs) so you know i think that's important that whatever you do next is in line with whatever it is that you're passionate about. And I'm definitely passionate about this space, as you know. Emma, thank you so, so much for joining us today on the line. Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that because we're in the studio. We've got these amazing mics and, and Jen and I both want to be singers in a, in, if, when we're reborn or in a past life or whatever. So I, just, I had to do that. So I apologise in advance, listeners. I'm certainly a better speaker than I am singer. But thanks for having me on the show, Jen.